I'm Devin Leonardi, and you're listening to the DBA Podcast. Today, we're doing business as one of Orlando's top commercial real estate executives, Damian Madsen. Thanks for joining us today, Damien. Uh, you know, you're you've been really elemental in the Orlando kind of real estate, uh, you know, commercial real estate realm for years, decades. You've been a, a staple here, so we're really happy to have you here on the podcast so that we can talk about some of the things that you do on a daily basis and some of the things that make you you, make you that award-winning, you know, commercial real estate guy. Uh, you know, so thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I think one of the things that I want to start out with is kind of talk about the current state of, of real estate, right? A little bit, especially here in the Orlando area. You and I are both kind of in this field. And I think you and I, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a couple of trends that you're starting to see uh, in terms of co-working, in terms of commercial real estate. Why don't you fill us in on a little bit of that stuff? Sure. I, You know, Commercial real estate is what I is what I do. I mean, I, and I also specialize in office space. Um, so, in commercial real estate, there's all kinds of commercial real estate. There's retail buildings. There's industrial buildings. Mm-hmm. There's office buildings. There's mixed use where you combine, you know, office space with residential or office space with hotel. So, there's all kinds of commercial real estate. I I happen to be in the office space part of that and have been for 32 years. I mean, I started fresh out of college. Um, I graduated from UCF. I wanted to get my license. I got my license. I got a job leasing office space. And I have been leasing office space ever since, you know, from the day after I graduated college. So I really love the business. Um, In terms of real estate as, as a whole, you know, it's really kind of strange right now because right now, uh, usually there's some kind of a correlation between kind of the residential market and the commercial market. And right now today, uh, what we're seeing is something that we've not really seen before. There's this huge boom mm-hmm. in residential real estate. I mean, all of my friends that are in that business are telling me they're, you know, having their best year ever. They're breaking records. I've got a couple of national home builders that are my tenants in my office buildings. Uh, They're telling me things like, you know, uh, May of this year was 80 percent higher than May of last year. Uh, One of my one of my national home builders told me that that, you know, people are buying, you know, uh, buying houses off of the Internet. They're going on the Internet and 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 picking a a house, a floor plan, a lot, a subdivision and actually buying it online, which is which is never I've never heard that before in real estate. You know, real estate is a real asset. So it's kind of a real thing. You have to really go see it. You know, that's how I've always felt like uh, when you're dealing with real estate so but but because I'm in the office space world um, it's it's really challenging right now you know it's really challenging right now I mean you know when when COVID when we coming into COVID in March you know all of a sudden all these companies um, kind of mandated that their employees needed to stay at home and work from home and I think initially what happened is that all the employees that were working from home were being really productive, you know, it was very productive. And so there was this idea or there's a lot of chatter among people in the business, you know, 
is do is is office space even necessary anymore? I mean, should everybody work at home with technology the way it is and with, you know, people having a residence, you know, maybe they could just be as productive at home as they are at the office. So I think after, you know, now living this for the last four or five months, I think what we've what we've kind of figured out is that, you know, Initially, it worked, and, and I think a lot of the people that were productive at home uh, were probably really being productive because they were scared they might lose their job, not necessarily because they were working at home. Right. But as now four, five, six months has, have, have gone by, people are realizing that they miss being at the office. They miss that human connection. Yeah. And, you know, you can't have that 30-second or that 45-second conversation with, uh, with a colleague about an idea that you just kind of have and you want to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you do not you don't have the collaboration uh, at home that you would have in an office space you can't build a culture with your company I mean it's look massive. at look at the cultures that are out there I mean today I mean we we always kind of look at like Google and Facebook and some of the bigger ones Netflix they all have these cultures that they try to uh, you know um, uh, embrace and, and and build into their employees right that none of that's possible if all your employees are working at home right right so so i think office space is definitely necessary it's definitely something that we have to have and i think that you're going to see uh you know kind of towards the end of this year i think people will start coming back to work um, a lot more than you see today i mean right now um even though we've got a 99 percent collection rate on all of our companies that rent space from us they're all paying their rent but my parking lots are, you know, probably 80% not being occupied. I oh, mean, wow. so you drive in our parking lot, you say, gosh, where are all these empty spaces? Um, so on, on, on the good side, I guess you can find a parking space with no problem in some of our buildings right now. But, you know, the idea of that being a permanent solution, it, it, there, there's just no way in the world, you know, that's a permanent solution to, yeah. to work and to business. So I think, you know, as soon as the election gets behind us and as soon as the vaccine gets more perfected, I think we heard last night that, you know, there was one estimate it's a few months from now, one estimate a few weeks from now, who knows. But whenever that vaccine does hit, I do believe it's going to have a placebo effect. And I think that everybody will rush back mm-hmm. to the office. Yeah. Okay. So in Central Florida, it's, it's really interesting because going into COVID, we were a very fundamentally balanced market. In other words, you know, supply was in check, demand was in check, vacancy levels across all sub-markets in Central Florida were sub-10%, you know, 5%, 4%, 6%. You know, so going into COVID, we were a very balanced market, and we didn't have a big uh, pipeline of buildings being built that were going to be delivered this year. You compare Central Florida to, say, Austin, Texas. Austin's got 5 million square feet under construction. Nashville, Tennessee has got, I think, 2.5 million feet under construction. Atlanta, Georgia's got 6.2 million feet under construction. So these markets that have a lot of buildings under construction that are going to deliver this year, I think those markers might, will, will probably feel it a little bit more than we will. In Central Florida, we're just not going to feel it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think what's going to happen is just the opposite. I think, you know, when people do come back to work, once that once that tipping point hits, whenever that is, which I my estimate is kind of February, I think yeah. is kind of the magical month where we're going to see this this explosive you know everybody's going to come back to work then what that's going to trigger 
is these companies are, have started to re- already rethink how much space they have. So let's say a company has 100,000 square feet. Do they really need 100? Right. Are they going to go to a hybrid model right. where they're going to allow some of their employees to work at home and some to work in there? Or, or you can work at home a couple of days a week and then come in three days a week, something like that. So I think there'll be some of that that is permanent, you know, kind of a hybrid uh, model. But that, that doesn't mean that there's going to be less demand for office space. And here's an example. I did a deal at, uh, at the end of last year. It was a call center. You know, call centers are much different than general office space. Call centers, companies try to get, you know, basically as many people into a space as possible. Uh, on a per square foot basis, they take less square footage, so they pack in, say, six or seven per thousand uh, square feet, where, you know, general office space is more like four or five thousand per thousand. So, if I was doing that deal today, 55,000 square foot call center deal, I really believe that that company would take 75,000 feet because of social distancing. So they would spread these people out. So I think on the one hand, you know, some companies may kind of rethink how much space they need and maybe they give back five to Ten percent. On the other hand, the call center market in Central Florida is very is a very big market. I mean, because of our service industry. Mm-hmm. So, on the other hand, the the call center market, I think you're going to see tenants come in and take a, a lot more space than they normally would have taken. So, it could actually help. Yeah. So that coupled with low interest rates, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of people that don't historically invest in real estate. Um, I'm working on one right now where it's a family. They've got money tied up in the stock market. They're tired of riding that roller coaster. So they want to invest in a small building, right? So that's a that's an investor that wouldn't typically invest in real estate. But now we're going to see, I think, a lot more of those kinds of people kind of buying into real estate you know there's really something attractive about saying to your kids or your friends as you drive by a a, a, a mcdonald's and say, you know we own that building mm-hmm. you know or or a chick-fil-a we own that building there's something good about that you yeah. see it you feel it and again it's a real asset yeah. instead of it's you know tangible. riding the roller coaster exactly in in the stock market yeah so yeah. i think 2021 is uh, could be and and i've been doing this for 32 years 2021 could be the most explosive growth year in Central Florida history, and it could mean that it affects in a very positive way all of the office buildings across right. all submarkets in Central Florida. Yeah, I'm personally looking forward to that, right? Yeah. I think that, you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I I feel it, you know, this is one of the things here that we experience on a daily basis, right? I have large companies come in and say, hey, we're thinning out our workforce, we need less space, we need a place to go, and we're not even going to be in every day of the week. We're going to rotate our staff, and so we have 40 employees that we really only need 20 seats for. Okay, done. When we've been flexible enough to to make that happen for them and make it work, uh, so I do see that trend happening. I see a lot of people, you know, coming in, uh, maybe that have you know been laid off uh, and have had this you know kind of terrible COVID experience, right? On top of this, and they're ready to start their new thing, right? And they're ready to to find their new path. So one, I think there's also an injection of new business, right? With all of this other stuff happening all those people that were really, really good at what they did, right? That maybe just didn't quite mesh with their company and they were let go. They're now hungry, 
and they want to find what their new thing is. And maybe in six months, they're going to have 10, 15 employees and they're going to need a place to go. And so the, the co-working model specifically, I think fits into their mold. So where do you think, you know, the co-working model with, you know, all of the amazing predictive uh, things that you've imparted upon us, uh, where do you think that co-working model fits? Well, again, I think it comes back to where we were before COVID. I think you mm-hmm. have to look at where were we in co-working spaces and brands before we entered this really kind of strange period that we're in. So Orlando was not overbuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you went to uh, New York, uh, there was one uh, in particular, one big co-working brand that absorbed 20% of all the office space in Manhattan uh, mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah. You know, if you're overbuilt in any one thing, you know, I think it's always going to hurt you. Yeah. And I think from uh, from Orlando's perspective, we were not overbuilt in co-working spaces. Right. So then you say, okay, of the ones that are still here and are working, how how are they going to come out of this? I think they're going to come out of it beautifully, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people took the last five or six months and reflected back on what they're doing with their life. You know, it's so easy to get into a kind of a rut and where you're working for a company, you're going in every day, and you don't even know that you don't like it. You just do it because it pays the bills. (laughs) You know, you go to work, you come home, you have dinner, you go to bed. Next day, you get up, go to work, come home, you know, go to work. And, and, And so I think a lot of people have this opportunity. And if you didn't take this opportunity, you really, and if you haven't yet, you really should rethink it. If you don't, if you didn't like what you were doing or you don't like what you're doing, then don't do it. I mean, life is so short. That's another thing I think this, I mean, there's a lot of good things that can come out of this pandemic. I mean, I think obviously most of it's negative, but if you really try to put a positive spin on it, it's given us an opportunity to hit the pause button in our lives. It's given us the opportunity to spend more time with our kids or families or friends. It's given us a lot of time to rethink what we're doing with ourselves. I mean, I think part of the, frankly, I think part of the residential boom has to do with people who were sitting in their homes for the last four or five months and got sick of their house. Or they said, I thought I liked this house, but I really don't like this house. (laughs) So let's go out and buy another one. My interest rates are low. So I think that's part of it. So there's a lot of good that can come out of bad things, right? right? I mean, we've all experienced bad events in our lives and you always hate it at the moment, but then, you know, it's how you react to that bad event that makes you different, right? It's how you take that bad event, learn from it, don't make the same mistake again, but then build on it. You know, I don't think anybody, uh, I think everybody would agree with this statement that you can't really appreciate great success until you've at least experienced some failure. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing is that mindset that you talk about. How do you respond? How do you rise from the ashes and, you know, be better and learn from your mistakes and grow there forward? Uh, So that's the next thing I want to talk with you about. Sure. You, in 2008, you know, you were... You know, you're a dad, you're a new dad, you're a husband, you're in the middle of uh, a housing bubble that's about to pop uh, and things seem to be going pretty well. Mm -hmm. And then tell us a little bit about what happened. You know, we all kind of pick our memorable years in our life, you know, and as you get older, you you start to become more selective on what is really important to you. You know, the year you got, you know, the year you graduated college, the year you got married, the year you had kids. And in 2008 for us, for myself and my family, you know, I had a 15-month-old son 
um, and I had um, another son on the way, about five weeks away from giving birth. And um, so my wife was, you know, pregnant five weeks away, my other son, 15 months old. And my son, who was 15 months old, um, on, on June 24th of 2008, we realized he had to have emergency surgery. And so we, you know, rushed to the hospital. Uh, we, we didn't know. We thought he had a stomach ache. It ends up he had a pretty major problem, an interception. You know, my wife's pregnant. So we rushed to the hospital, find out he has to have emergency surgery. We're dealing with that. And then on the morning, the following morning, June 25th, I get a call that our business partner did not show up for work. And so um, he, we had a partnership back then. We were all friends, business partners, but really friends. And uh, so they said, why don't you go, you know, my, my wife at the time said, you know, why don't we, why don't you go check on him? So I did. So I drove from the hospital after the surgery, go to the house where my, my business partner lived. And unfortunately, he had taken his life. And uh, I found him after he had taken his life. And it was a it was just a, an unbelievably horrific uh, event. I mean, it was a shocking event. Um, it took me a long time to recover from the the mental uh, you know picture of that. Um, but you know, the fact is, um, is we get things given to us in our life, and as I said before, it's it's not you know, living in that moment, but also kind of figuring out how you react to those bad events. And so it was a horrible event. We learned, you know, after the fact that he had wiped us all out, we all kind of all had to start over, you know, um, we're getting ready to have a second baby, have a sick son. I mean, it was a horrible uh, place to be. Um, but, you know, my wife says, you know, are we going to be okay? You know, and I looked at her and, and with a straight face and said, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to be fine. You know, I would leave the house to go to work and I wouldn't know what to do because yeah. the company was gone. And, you know, I'd sometimes park the car and, and, and try to figure out what to do that day. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, I have great relationships, great friends. I, I went right back to work uh, um, it, it, with a different company in the office space business. Uh, a friend of mine had just started his own company, gave me a desk and a phone. Um, and I started, you know, making phone calls. And, you know, I think one of the things that I love about uh, uh, success stories is when, when you, you hear it all the time, when someone is not willing to give up, you know, when someone is willing to continue doing whatever it takes to be successful, they'll be successful. You know, uh, I listen to a lot of motivational stuff and inspirational stuff, and I'm always, um, it's always, it's always interesting. You know, you, you always hear the same thing over and over again. It's not just me. You know, it's anybody. You really cannot ex, ex, you know, really appreciate success. You know, until you've had failure. Yeah. You know, so during that period of time, you know, I just basically said, I'm not going to let this rock me. You know, we're gonna, I'm gonna go to work every day, make phone calls try to get something to happen. It took me about 18 months to get back on my feet. Um, and then from there, just kind of continue to build. So um, I would just say that, you know, um, never giving up, no matter what happens, it, you've got to have that mindset if, if you're going to be in business. There are a lot of people that do give up, and it's really sad to watch. You know, I see people that have never had a horrific experience, <laughs> right? They've never had any bad experience in their life. <laughs> 
but yet they've given up because they're not following their dreams. Right. You know, I hear friends of mine talk about these great ideas, but yet they're going to their job and they're not exploring this great idea. They're not pursuing right. the great idea. You know, ideas are so easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all get them, right? We have tons of ideas every day. It's the follow through. But it's, hard. It's, it's taking action, yeah. you know, and making a plan and going after it that makes it work. Yeah. Um, if, you know, you can come up with a great idea right now on this, on this, on this show and, and, but if nothing happens, if you don't take it to the next step, you'll never, you'll never, you know, you'll never, uh, you'll never get it done. Yeah. So I, I think, um, I think my experience in 2008, I'm sure it's the same experience a lot of people have had in their life. You know, anytime you have a really bad event, uh, I guess my, 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 my main message to you would be, you know, it's all in, all in how you react to it and always trying to find the good in it. You know, uh, just like this pandemic. I mean, I think a lot of people are using it as an excuse, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're, they're, they're using it as an excuse not to, not to go into the office or to work less or to, you know, look, we're, the great thing about this pandemic, okay, is it's happening to everybody. Right. It's not even it's not even just our country. It's, it's the, the entire equalizer. world, right? <laughs> right? I mean, we can't say that we had a hurricane therefore we can't do something cuz uh, um, you know, they didn't have this hurricane in say California. So this pandemic in a way, it, it I think it's somebody's way of saying, look, let's hit the pause button, take a step back, look at your life. And are you really doing what you want to do? Yeah. And if you're not doing it, then buddy, do what you really want to do, you know, go after what you're trying to, you know, go after your dream. There's no reason why you shouldn't do it because you only get one life. And what I learned in 2008, a life can come to an end very quickly. And I just, uh, I just, I'm I'm very passionate about people not, you know, uh, not pursuing what they think they should be pursuing. I mean, it's sad to watch. You see, I have some friends that are great. I mean, they come up with all these great, but that they'll never do it. They'll never pursue it. So I think it comes down to just really taking action on what you really want to do with your life. I totally agree with everything you're saying. This is not something that I really like to talk about on the show or anything like that, but I myself have had, you know, a honestly in the last year a pretty terrible life experience my little brother was hit by a drunk driver and killed Uh, and we went through this whole process of you know trying to find justice uh the guy ran at first a hit and run we the police tracked him down they finally found him and it changed the way my family kind of viewed the world um i was the only person in my family that wasn't actually there when it happened either Mm -hmm happened right outside our front door Mm. right and so our entire family was there they saw it they saw it happen they heard the tires squeal they showed up right and there's something to be said about a traumatic experience that can change your life and you're 138 percent right there are some things that happen in your life that in the moment seem absolutely damning absolutely just unfair and there's nothing that you can do to change it Mm -hmm. and that is the worst feeling in the entire world people can tell you that this is the worst feeling in the entire world no that's it (laughs) i I will tell you from personal experience doing being able to do nothing being able to absolutely have no control over what has happened or to be able to change it it can ruin your life yeah and I went through this whole thing where I struggled to find, you know, my identity after that happened. 
where I fit in as a brother, where I fit in as a son, where I fit in as, you know, a family member, uh, a boyfriend, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these different things. And I, I reassessed the way that I viewed the world. And a lot of that had to do with realigning my values, right? Right. Re-evaluating what was important to me and what wasn't, you know, the biggest thing that I found was peace. Mm -hmm. right? Peace is the most important thing to me. I'm one of those people, my mind moves at a thousand miles per minute at night. I lay in bed thinking about all the things that happen during the day and I I have trouble turning it off. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when it's paired with, you know, loss and turmoil and all of those things, it's hard to control. Right. And so I had to realign. I had to take a step back and take a, take a step away from everything and come up with a plan. And so my girlfriend and I, we came up with this 18 month plan and we're going to make some changes over that amount of time. And, and hopefully it, it puts us to where I find peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I found peace in, in my brother's death. I found peace in the justice that was found uh, thereafter. Uh, and I have now focused on being grateful. Right. Mm-hmm. Being grateful for everything that happens, yeah. whether it's negative or positive. Uh, and that has kind of changed my view on the world. Yeah. Right. I was so pessimistic. I was so cynical about everything that was going on around me during during this last year. And I just finally woke up and <laughs> said, no, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm tired mm-hmm. of feeling this way. Tell me a little bit about that feeling for you and how you overcame it. Well, I think, you know. Um, I'm, I hate to hear about your, your brother. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I lost a brother in a car accident also a long, long time ago. Uh, but it was my older brother, and so it's just it is a um, what you said about not having any control and you can't change the outcome. It's over, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's just a horrible thing, and I'm, I really feel sad for you for that. I mean, I really it. do. Um, I think so much of who we are. And what we do every day starts with uh, what we tell ourselves. I mean, you know, uh, I'm a strong believer in counseling and therapy, but uh, and I really do mean that. But we, we really are our own counselor. You know, you have to listen to your own voice. You know, when you get up in the morning to start your day, you know, um, you're talking to yourself. What am I going to do today? How am I going to make it a better day? You know, all these things. Or you can say, you know, you can take the negative approach and be like, you know, I don't feel like doing that today or whatever. Yeah. So you, you basically are kind of talking yourself into who, what you're going to do that day and how it's going to contribute to who you want to be and who you want to become. So um, for, for me, going back to that time, um, I would get up every day. I would you know, start the day with, I'm going to go out and, you know, slay the world, you know, or whatever in terms of my business. Um, and I would not let myself talk myself into any negative, you know, periods. Uh, and it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's much easier to allow yourself to not perform, mm-hmm. you know, or, or not be productive mm-hmm. or not ultimately be successful. Um, so it's much harder to take the other route, 
but it's so much more fulfilling, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, I think you, you have to t- talk to yourself daily about, you know, staying positive and trying to, you know, have your goals set. You know, the fact that you've got an 18 month plan, I think is phenomenal. Cause then you've got something you're looking towards. Uh, we used to say, uh, I, I sold books door to door in college. I did that for four years. And we used to say, uh, people don't fail to plan. They plan to fail. No, wait, people don't plan to fail. They fail to plan. That's what it is. Uh, we used to say that to all of our book guys. You know, people don't, they don't go out and they, they plan to fail. You know, it's just they don't, they don't kind of lay out their life for themselves or they don't lay out any kind of a plan. Mm-hmm. They just, again, get up, go to work, do their thing, go home, get in front of the TV, and that's it. Yeah. I, I, I bet you during this pandemic, I bet you the, that Netflix is just crushing it right now. <laughs> all these people binge-watching all these shows. Yeah. I mean, I've done it myself Ratings some. are through the roof. <laughs> yeah, I've done that some myself, so I'm not going to say I haven't. But, but, but there's a difference between doing it every once in a while and then but doing it you know, every day <laughs> you know, your life, for the yeah. next month. Um, so, so I think you, you've got you've to have it in you that you want to be productive and you want to be successful, and you've got to tell yourself that, I think, daily. So having conversation, you know, not to sound, I don't want anybody to think I'm crazy, like I'm talking to myself, but I do believe we have this voice, this yeah. inner voice that can change who we are. Yeah. I mean, it can, and you control that inner voice. Yeah. That's the beauty of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you control what that inner voice is telling you. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to allow it to tell you negative things and you'll probably have a negative outcome. If you're going to allow that inner voice to tell you to be productive and successful and not let anything get in your way, that inner voice has got a lot of, a lot of power and you will end up doing that, you know? So I think part of it's that, um, part of it, I had great relationships. You know, I've always said that, um, when I got in the real estate business, I kept hearing this over and over again. You know, when, when someone does a great deal, they go, oh, you know, he was in the right place at the right time. Or uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. So I figured, okay, if, it's, if he was in the right place at the right time, that means I have to be everywhere, okay? And if it's not what I know, it's who I know, then I just have to know everybody. <laughs> I figured this job's going to be easy. I'll be everywhere, and I'll know everybody, and that way I'll be successful, right? So that was my big thing. I mean, I was trying to meet everybody, go to every event early on in my career. Uh, you know, if you look at my phone, I think I've got, my son was telling me, um, I think I've got, I don't know, uh, 8,700 contacts or something oh my in my phone or something. Because I save everybody's phone yeah. number, right? <laughs> Um, and, and I've had the same number since 1987. Okay. So, I mean, I've got a lot of relationships, a lot of contacts. And I think, you know, in tough times, uh, your friends and your relationships really help you out a lot. I've had people in the real estate business help me out, you know, um, and, and, you know, my friends, my, my relationships have carried the day. So I think if you, if you're early on in your career or if you're trying to rebuild, building a strong relationship base, that then becomes your foundation. Mm -hmm. And then those relationships build you. So you build your foundation with your relationships, then that foundation builds you. So you've got it. You've got to work on that. I mean, uh, I've got one of my siblings uh, tells me that she doesn't have any friends. You know, I go, well, you know, in order to be uh, to have good friends, you have to be a good friend. You've got to make friends. You've got to make an effort to meet new people. You've got to build that. You know, I mean, just like you and I met the day I came in yeah. here and now we're doing this, yeah. you know, I mean, I think you've got to be, you've got to work at it. It's not just yeah. going to happen to you. No. Um, I don't know how many times people will call me cause they're trying to 
they know I've got lots of relationships, so they use me as a conduit to get to somebody, which is fine, and I yeah. do it all the time. Um, but building relationships in our business, in the real estate business, is one of the keys to success. And I think once you have that big, strong relationship base, you know, you can do just about anything. Because then you realize, oh, I can call this guy for this thing. I can call this guy or this gal for this thing. You know, so building relationships was a big one. So, you know, the telling yourself you're going to make it happen, you know, building relationships, working extremely hard. I mean, during that period, I mean, I don't know how many hours I was working, <laughs> but it's had to have been, um, you know, I don't know, 70 or 80 hours a week, I yeah. guess. Um, I th and I work now, you know, I, my normal work week now is about 60 hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's a reasonable amount of time if you have kids and you've got to start dividing your time. Um, so, so hard work, you know, you know, making up your mind, you're going to do it, you know, building your relationships, working hard. I mean, in our business, in the real estate business, I mean, there could be 10 deals that don't work, right. that don't end up working. You think they're going to work, mm -hmm. they don't work. And so you hit one, you know, so. So you got to realize it's a numbers game, you know. You got to continue to work deals, constantly work deals, knowing that all of them are not going to happen, because it, again, it's just a numbers game. Making sure that you always have a, a strong pipeline of business, you have a, a a series of deals that you try to work, knowing that not all of them are going to happen. And then the beauty of our business is sometimes deals happen just out of the blue that you didn't even know about that were going to happen. You know, I mean, it's just like a gift. Um, uh, I never want to paint the picture that our business is easy because it's not. Right. Um, I always tell young people getting into the business, it's going to take them probably three years of hard work before they really start making any good money. Um, so hard work, honesty, you know, that's another one. I mean, you've got to be honest. You know, you, the first person you got to be honest with is yourself, Amen. you know, establish, you know, establish, you know, realistic goals, yeah. you know, establish a realistic work day, you know. So being honest with yourself is probably number one. But then being honest with your clients, even if it's bad news, you've got to let people know right away if it's bad news. You know, you don't want to candy coat anything. Um, so being honest, so let's see here, making up your mind to do it, you know, building your relationships, you know, working hard every day, being honest and realizing that it's a numbers game, that if you strike out, Every day this week, on Friday, you know you're going to hit. Or you know if you if you hit on Monday, you might as well notice that you might as well recognize that you know you might not hit another deal for a while. <laughs> right. I remember when I got in the real estate business, my very first week, I had my first deal close. Oh, All right. <laughs> I hit I hit my first lease, my first week. Oh, it was man. literally I started on a Monday, Came I signed a lease on a Friday. <laughs> Right. I made a five thousand dollar commission and I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so easy. You're right. And I didn't close another deal for 10 months. OK, so but it, you have to stay with it. Yeah. You know, you just have to stay with it. So um, these are all things that you just have to do if you're going to be successful yeah. in, in the in the commercial real estate business. Wow. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that translates almost, you know, to any industry, right? Right. Determination, you know, focusing on your inner voice when it comes to business and understanding where you're at and being honest with yourself yeah. and others is the key to success, right? I To me, that is, I'm not, I've never been one to sugarcoat things. And right. you could probably ask anybody I've ever worked with, I call a spade a spade. Right. And that is how I've always been. I don't 
always handle it with the most grace. Right. Uh, but that's something that I'm working on. And I think that listening to yourself and being honest with yourself, right, like that mm-hmm. is is something that, that you can do to to I focus on that inner voice and to learn, uh, you know, how to shift it. Right. When you go through uh, a point of turmoil in your life, learning how to change your inner voice from something that says, I got to go to work this morning (laughs) into, okay, yeah, work this morning. We got some cool deals on the line. I get to work with all these awesome people. Uh, I get to hopefully help them find an office and do all of this stuff. It's going to be great. Right. 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 Changing that changes everything. Right. If you can change your inner monologue, you know, you're right. There is that voice inside your head. Right. And no matter who you are, no matter what it is, everybody's got it. Right. You can say you don't, but you do. And it's just because you're not listening. (laughs) We all determine how we're going to act or react to anything. And whether it's when you get up in the morning or whether, you know, midway through the day, something like blows up like a bad a, a deal blows up or, sure. or I mean how you react to that is is really is really key I mean um, look if you want to be successful like you said in anything not just commercial real estate you've got to have control of that yeah I mean the more control you have over who you want to become who you are y- you really determine your own destiny I mean um, I think when I heard somebody say I, it's written somewhere or something that the best way to predict your future is to create it. Right. So you're the one who has to create that for yourself. Um, you're the one who lays out the path. This 18 month plan that you have, I think it's great because and, and you're doing it with your partner, your girlfriend. I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Right. Because you're doing it together. Right. And, and in that case, if one of you is being a little slack, they can, you know, she can kick you in the butt or vice versa. Right. Got 13 months. Let's go. Right, right. That's right. So, but I do believe it's all of us have the power to do whatever it is we want to do in life. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, uh, you know, w- when you have kids that change, that does change, um, you know, you, you start to focus more on, on raising a family. And so you have to prioritize your time. Um, I grew up in Winter Park, and in Winter Park we were we were one of the poor families. A lot of people in Winter Park have money. You know, a lot of my buddies have money, right? And I used to see this a lot, where uh, parents, wealthy parents, would not spend time with their kids, and so they would. They, I guess they either felt guilty or something. They felt like a good alternative to spending time with them was to, you know, give them a new car, give them a credit card, you know, let them go buy stuff. You know, that was the replacement for time. Right. Nothing replaces time with no. your kids. So if you're trying to build a business and you have kids, you really have to then be wise with how you prioritize your time and your productivity while you're at work. And then my boys know that I never turn off. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. But if I have to take a phone call and they're in the car, they know to be quiet and they get to listen to me negotiate, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I, I, uh, I think there's a balance there with your, you know, being a, being successful in business or in real estate and financial success, success is one thing, but there's a whole part of your life that's needs to be successful. It has nothing to do with money. It's being a good father, being a good listener, being a good friend, yeah. being a good sibling yeah. to your brothers and sisters, um, you know, you know, all of it matters. 
you know, success is not driven um, uh, out of you and is measured by, you know, money. Okay? Right. Because I can tell you that before 08, we are all doing pretty good and pretty well. <laughs> and after it, I think I really enjoyed my life. After I got through the shock of it all, I started to enjoy my life a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, you know, than before, yeah. you know, because because and I think for the, the pandemic, uh, I think it's. You know, it's a horrible thing, and it's horrible that people have died. But in the end, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, people are going to look back and say that in 2020, I changed my life for the better because of this pandemic. I made adjustments. I took a step back. I hit the pause button, rethought my life. And if the pandemic pandemic didn't hit, I would not have done that. So thank you, pandemic. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to say thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is absolutely one of those things that we always try to impart on our listeners is at least one thing that they can take with them. I think from this, we've learned several different things. We've learned about determination. We've learned about you know focusing on your inner voice and prioritizing your time and being honest with yourself and others. And we've learned kind of how to deal with turmoil and you know heartbreak Mm -hmm. and to know that it's not the end of the world uh so thank you for sharing your story thank you for being here uh and let's do this again sometime absolutely thank you thanks david appreciate it